Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, hello, everyone. I am Andrew Nelson. I'm the youth pastor here. Shout out Grove Youth that's in the crowd. Uh, I'm so excited to be with you today. So a couple years ago, I was traveling with my mom, my brother, and I, and we were trying to get home. Uh, We went to a basketball game in Oklahoma City, uh, and if you don't know, I'm from Oklahoma, and I'm from middle of nowhere, Carrier, Oklahoma. Uh, If you Google it, it actually has 132 people, so that's the population. I'm pretty sure we, we double that in this room alone, so it's in the middle of nowhere. So you need some directions on how to get there. And so we used to have these devices called TomToms. I don't know if you had one, you know, the Garmin, the TomTom. Before you had the GPS on your phone, you actually had to, had to have a little device, and you put it on your dash, right? I know I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. I know none of my kids know what a TomTom is. But you had to have this little device that had the turn-by-turn directions. The problem was it wasn't very reliable. The maps were never updated, right? You had to go online and download the new maps, but it never had construction. And the next thing was it always died. And so that night, we were trying to get home, and we knew the basic directions of of how to get home. We knew we need to go north on Highway 74, go through Crescent, and then uh, turn on 412 and go through Enid, and then get to Carrier so we can go home. The problem was with that night is it was really raining, it was nasty, it was hazy, you know, the fog all around, it's kind of eerie. And we're going, we're we're heading out of Oklahoma City, we're on Highway 74, and our TomTom dies. That's just wonderful. All right, so we just, we know the basic way. All right, let's, let's keep going. Well, we get into Crescent, and it's been raining so much, there's a police officer with a barricade saying, you got to detour, you got to go around. The road had actually flooded, and so we actually had to go around it. We're like, okay, that's, that's fine. There's people in front of us and behind us, you know, there's some traffic, and we're like, okay, we'll just follow the flow of traffic, we'll get around this, we'll get back on the highway, it'll be fine. Well, we kind of turn, and we get on outside of Crescent, and we can still kind of see that the haze isn't too bad, but it's getting tighter and tighter, and we can kind of see the headlights in, or the taillights in front of us. We see a little bit of red, and it gets dimmer and dimmer, and all of a sudden, we can't see anything. There's like no one around us. We look behind us. There's no headlights. There's no taillights in front of us. We're, we're alone in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. Like, this, this is great. And so like, okay, well, we, just, we, know we, need, we know we need to go north, so we turn, we turn off the road onto this blacktop. If you're ever on a blacktop, it's not exactly where you want to be. You know, you're not on the main road, you're kind of on back roads, and it's getting a little sketchy. It's like, okay, well, this is not where you need to be. Let, let's, let's turn again. So we turned again, we turned onto a dirt road. And in Oklahoma, dirt roads are pretty common, but again, this is not exactly where you want to be. This is not going to get you back to the highway. So we keep going on this dirt road, and we hear this We actually went over a cattle guard. And so if you don't know what that is, it actually separates like the pasture where the cattle are from like the rest of the world. If you go through the cattle guard, if you go into the pasture, you're not going nowhere. You're just going to meet some cattle. You're not going to actually get back to the highway. You're not where you need to be. And so we ended up turning around. I'm looking at my brother. My brother's looking at me just like, how did we we get here? So we turn around. We backtrack our steps. And we get back to where we were with the highway. And the cop is just looking at us. And we're like, how do we get back to the highway? And he's like, one block, one block north, and one block back. 
Oh my gosh. It would have been so much easier if we would have had those directions. If we would have known exactly how to get back to where we wanted to go. We knew that we wanted to get home, right? Home was the final destination, but we needed directions to get there. So our sermon series, You in Five Years, is basically that exact same thought. We know that we want to be somewhere better in five years than where we are now. We want something better in this life. So if you haven't been with us, we've been going through three weeks, and this is the fourth week of the sermon series, You in Five Years. So the guiding principle of our sermon series is this. It's one statement. We all end up somewhere. Few of us end up somewhere on purpose. So through this sermon series, we want to help you end up somewhere on purpose. A lot of the times, we're just doing things, wandering through life, not doing anything intentionally. We find ourselves not exactly where we want to be. We have a vision for our life, but we end up somewhere else because we didn't know how to get there. So let's review a little bit about what we've talked about so far in this sermon series. Week one, Allie brought us a message about having a vision for your life. And it's not just having a vision for your life, it's having God's vision for your life. We have to be aligned with God's vision for our life because it helps us center all of our decisions. Once we come to an impasse, when we, once we come to an, a decision, it helps us make a decision or say we don't need to make that decision because it'll get us either closer or further away from our goal. Week two, Stephen talked about cleaning the inside of our cup. We have to work on the internal things, our inner being internally before we can ever work on things externally. Once we clean the inside of our cup, once we work through the inner being, once we have that cleaned, it actually works itself externally. Once we work on our mind, our soul, our thoughts and our feelings, it actually spills out into our external life in our actions towards others, our words towards others, our deeds towards others. And last week, Stephen brought us a message about how your environment is one of the biggest impacts on whether you're going to make a change or not. The illustration was bananas don't grow in Antarctica because Antarctica is not conducive to growing bananas. We have to place ourselves in a place that is actually conducive for our change. So if we want to get fit, but we keep finding ourselves at McDonald's, it's probably not going to be conducive to making a change that we want to make if we want to be fit. So... That's where we've been so far, and we're going to take these thoughts through this sermon series. This will be a guiding, for, guiding force for where we're going today. So, the question that we're answering for today is this. How? How do we get to where we want to be in five years? So, we know the goal. We want to have God's vision for our life. We're going to start with working internally in our own life, and then we have to place ourselves in the right environment. That's step one. But after that, how do we do it? We need some directions. Just like I needed directions to not get lost in the fog and end up in a pasture, we need directions in our life to help us get to where we want to be in five years. And so this can look like a lot of different things in your life. I know for a lot of my students, they're trying to get to the right high school, right? They want to get to Jesuit or Ursuline or St. Rita or Cistercians, Cistercian. And so how do I get there? What are the steps that'll get me to where I want to go. Maybe you're a parent of one of those students. Maybe you're trying to figure out, you know, should I, should I push them to go into extracurriculars or should I really have them invest in basketball? I mean, grades are important, but then do I have to have them do community service? Who's gonna write the recommendation letters? You need directions to help you figure out to get to where you want to go. Maybe it's in your career, you know that 
man, I'm, I'm not happy here. I want something better. I want a better career. I want a better job. I want to have some purpose in what I'm doing, but you don't know how to do it. You need directions in your life. So that's basically what we're going to look at today is how do we get to where we want to be? How do we focus on God's vision for our future? And this, this struggle that we have about trying to find the directions to follow God's vision for our future is, is nothing new. We're actually going to look at a, redder, a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And I want to talk about how Corinthians, the city of Corinth, and who he was writing to actually looks a lot like us. So ancient Corinth was metropolis, much like Dallas. There's people from all over in Corinth. There are people from different cultures. There was Hellenistic influence. There was Jewish influence. There was also Greek influence, a little bit of Rome as well. All these cultures came together in Corinth because it was a major like, uh, trading port because it was strategically located. Corinth actually sat on an isthmus. I actually had to learn what an isthmus is this week. So an, an isthmus is a small piece of land that connects two larger bodies of land, and there's water on each side. So because it was on an isthmus, boats would come from Rome and eastern or western Macedonia, sail down, and drop their goods and supplies on one side of Corinth. All those go goods would be taken across the isthmus because it's so narrow, and they'd be dropped off on other ships to then be taken towards Ephesus, Athens, on down to Syria, on down to Jerusalem. So because of this, Corinth had a lot of, we could maybe say, you know, company headquarters, much like Dallas. So there's a lot of cultural influence on how you should live life. And the next thing about Corinth that we need to know is that it was actually home to the Ithmian Games. You're going to have to have to say Ithmian, it's great. So Ithmian Games, it was a prelude to the Olympics. It was basically a preliminary round. If you won the Ithmian Games, you got to go to the Olympics two years later. So athletes in Corinth were really highly regarded. You know, they really looked up to, much like we like our Cowboys and our Mavericks here in Dallas. Athletes are revered for what they can accomplish, how they can do almost superhuman things. So knowing this, Paul writes his, writes his letter to the Corinthians with this as his backdrop. He understands there's a lot of influence on how you should live your life, and he's saying, no, 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 no. don't listen to this, you have one goal. And then he understands that athletics is really important in Corinth as well. And so he has an analogy in the middle of his letter to the Corinthians explaining how you can live this life like an athlete. So let's jump into 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. He writes this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. So in this, Paul is talking about how everyone has a race to run. Everyone in this life has a race. No matter where you are in your journey, you're on this race called life. And so he says, run to win. Like, let's not run this to get second place. Let's not run this race called life to get third place. Let's do it to be the best. He's making this analogy that athletes do the exact same thing. We need to do this in our lives. We can emulate athletes in winning. And the key point from, from this section of verses is the disciplined. He says that all athletes are disciplined. 
And we have to be disciplined in our own lives as well to run this race called life. And so what, what is discipline? I had to Google it to make sure that I had a really good definition, and I looked at several different things, but ultimately discipline is this. Doing what you should do to get what you want most over doing what you want to do now. So we have to do, if we're trying to get fit, if we're looking towards this life, this vision that God has for us, we have to do things that we should do that we don't want to do. This can look like a lot of different things. Maybe for you it's, you know, my struggle also is, is chips. I really love chips, right? And I really love bacon cheeseburgers. And so I have to say, mm, that's what I want now. I really want a bacon cheeseburger now. But it's not what I want most. What I want most is to be fit, to feel healthy, feel good about my life. And so sometimes I have to do what I should, maybe order a salad, maybe not get the fries, and do what I should instead of what I want now. And Paul talks about athletes, and I think that's a really wonderful example that we can emulate in our own life. I don't know if you know, but next week is the Super Bowl. Uh, anyone excited for the Super Bowl? I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped for it. I'm a huge sports fan, huge football fanatic as well. And I'm really excited about the, the Super Bowl for another reason as well. I lived in Kansas City for two years before I came to Dallas. And so I love my Chiefs. I love my Kansas City Chiefs. And so next week, there's a guy named Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. And he's really good, right? So he won the MVP last year. And so he was the best player in the NFL last year. But how did he, how did he get there? Right? Next week, he is playing for the Super Bowl. That is the highest honor. That is the biggest race that he could run. That is the most important event in his field. That is essentially him winning his race. How did he get there? Did he start training last week? Did he pick up a football and just figure out, yeah, I can throw it 70 yards down the field? That's, that's, not, that's not what happened. He started years and years and years ago being disciplined doing what he should do instead of what he wanted to do. I was reading an article on his training routine. It's kind of impressive. It's actually kind of daunting as well. And I read an article from Forbes, and it was an interview with his trainer, and his trainer and him worked on this practice, all these different practices that came together, and the core of it was that he wanted Patrick to be a whole athlete. He didn't want to focus on one thing or another. He couldn't just focus on strength training or just focus on, you know, throwing drills or just seven-on-seven -seven drills. He couldn't focus just on agility. He had to focus on everything. He had to work on being a complete, a whole athlete. And there was a lot of reasons for that. And one of the main reasons was if he just works on throwing drills, he's not going to have the mobility. He's not going to have the escapability to get away from, you know, Joey Bosa next week, right? And so he has to work on many different avenues of his craft to be where he wants to be. And so just like Patrick Mahomes is disciplined in his life to win the race that he is in, we have to be disciplined in our own race to follow God's vision for our life. Paul continues with this. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. 
talking about the athletes in the Ithmian Games, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. So he says that all these athletes, they run to win a prize, right? But their prize will eventually fade away. But our prize, the prize that we can have in this life is eternal. It is both now and not yet. That vision that God has for our life, it's something we can tap in right now. And what's important is that we're going towards it for a purpose. There is a purpose for our life. There is a purpose for all of this discipline. It's something that we have to keep in our minds to help us from wandering. Just like Patrick Mahomes, his ultimate goal is the Super Bowl, just like our ultimate goal is, having, is aligning our vision with God's vision for our future, we have to run towards that purpose. We have to be disciplined, make sure we're doing everything towards that purpose. And the last thing I want to highlight from, from this part of the scripture is shadow boxing. And it's really important that, that Paul uses it here because he's setting up a contradiction here. So he's saying he's doing this with a purpose. He's not just shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is, you know, uh, a boxer is training, but there's no opponent, right? Just kind of going through the motions. They're acting like there's a shadow right there, and so there's no consequences. You're not going to get hit. You're not going to get, you know, knocked out. You're not going to take a jab to the, the stomach when you're just shadow boxing. There's no consequences. But also, you're just going through the motions. And so Paul is saying, that's not how we're going to do this. That's not how we're running this race. That's not how we're going towards God's vision for our life. We have to do this with purpose. We have to be intentional about this. We have to be intentional about making the decisions, following the purpose, and being disciplined in our life. The last piece of scripture is this. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul is seen as kind of the, the spiritual guru for Corinth, right? The people at Corinth are writing to Paul as, as their spiritual guide, saying, how, how do you do this, right? How do you live this life that's so spiritual? We see you as this great prophet. You've helped us build this church. How do you do this? What does your life look like? And Paul says, I have to do this too. Just like all of our great athletes, we have to be disciplined, and we can't see, think that we're above, we're above this. So Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete just like everyone else does, training it to do what it should. Just like we talked about with discipline, it's doing what you should to what you want most over what you want now. Paul's saying, I do the exact same thing. In my life, I do what I should instead of what I want. And yes, it's hard, but I know that I'm doing it because if I don't, I'm going to be disqualified. I'm not going to win my race. So I want you to think about like the most spiritual person in your life, right? The person that just knows scripture like the back of their head. They have a scripture verse for every different situation. You're like, man, where did that come from? Or they have this community of believers around them that just, that just loves them and they love them back and it's just wonderful to see just how encouraging they are to each other. Or imagine the person that whenever they pray, you're like almost moved to tears. It's like, how did, how did they get that spiritual? They didn't do that just overnight. It took a long time 
and a lot of discipline to get into the Bible and build the community and be deep in prayer as well. So if I can synthesize all of the scripture together, the main point is that everyone, we all have to be disciplined. We all have to take this seriously. We all have to take the vision that God has for our future seriously. We have to keep that as our focus. Because if, if we don't, we're prone to wander. Just like the song talked about earlier, that if you're not focused on God's vision for your life, we're prone to wander and lead the life that, that might be what I want to control, where I want to be in five years. But ultimately, that's not the fullest life. God's vision for our life is actually fuller than what we can ever create in our head. If we try and control and make sure that I'm going down the path that I want to go without anybody else telling me to go, we're not going to get where we want to go. We're going to make decisions that ultimately are selfish and only self-serving. And the problem with that is that just like we talked about working on the inner life, we have to clean the inside of our cup. We have to make sure that we're focused inwardly to then be focused outwardly. We have to work inwardly so then it spills out externally. So if I could boil down the entire, the entire message into one statement, I think it's this. Be disciplined through spiritual practices. So we've talked a lot about being disciplined. We know it's doing what we should do over what we want to do now. And just like Patrick Mahomes, he, he works on being the whole athlete, right? He works on strength training. He works on agility. He works on all these different practices. He has all these practices to help him be disciplined into where he wants to be. We have to have spiritual disciplines that help guide us towards what we want to be, who we want to be. We can build in certain disciplines that help us be directions. Just like I got lost earlier in the fog and we needed directions, these being disciplined and having these spiritual practices can be the directions in our life. So I want to highlight just three spiritual practices that I really think can make an impact in your life. I know if you Google it, there's a lot of different spiritual practices, but there's three that I really think can be guidelines and directions towards where we want to get in our life. So the three are being in community, daily scripture reading, and regular prayer routines. And I picked these three because I think they're the easiest for us to see, and also they're really easy for us to take our first step. Here at the church, here at the Grove, we're all about helping y'all take your next steps. And so we wanna encourage you to see all of these spiritual practices maybe as your next step. So the first one, being in community. So this one, Man, this is, this is living a life with a group of believers around you that all have the same vision. They all want to help you and guide you and be those boundaries to help you get to where you want to go. And I know being in community can sometimes be scary because we have to open up. To really be changed by community, we have to let the walls of our life come down. We actually have to be vulnerable with other people. We actually have to be authentic with those around us. And that's, that's really hard because we like to 
kind of build ourselves up. We don't like to let anyone else see the brokenness or the loneliness or the hurting that we have. But being in community and being disciplined with that lets the walls come down. And being in community and being disciplined in this means that it's not just getting coffee with a friend once. It means not just trying a Grove group and giving it two weeks and saying, oh, it just wasn't for me. It means trying it week after week, week after week. And it also means asking some deeper questions. Not just, you know, what do you do? How's your family? You know, what grades are your kids in? It's to the deeper questions. It's like, how are you feeling? What's, what's bothering you? What are your fears like? And I think Jesus is a wonderful example of this. He gathered his, his 12 disciples close to him and he lived life with them. He was so close to them. He taught, he taught them. He also encouraged them. He did yell at them several times for what they were doing wrong. And maybe that's what's going to happen in community as well. But he brought them close. And that's what we have to do in community as well. We have to bring people close. And so for you, it, it can look a lot of different ways. If you're a student, it might be you know, coming to youth group and really investing in that community. And we're trying to build a community that we support each other. We want each other to succeed. We also have a wonderful opportunity, if you're an adult, for, with Grove groups. Stephen talked about it earlier. We have a group for everyone. We have a group for every stage of life. We want to help you find that community that you can actually get deeper. Go to the next level. Maybe talk about how's your soul? Have you cleaned the inside of your cup? You know, what, what is your vision? What is God's vision for your future? The next one is daily scripture reading. And I say daily, and that's kind of hard to do. I, I struggle with this one. This is the one that I struggle with the most. And yes, I'm in seminary, so yes, I should know the Bible, and yes, I should be reading it daily, and yes, my assignments are from the Bible. You have to quote it and stuff. But I, I, I struggle with it. Because sometimes I'm just like, man, I, I really like Netflix. Man. <laughs> I really want to sleep in. Man, I'm really tired right now. All I want to do is take a nap. But if I'm disciplined, it means doing what I should do over what I want to do now. And really, once we get into Scripture, there's so much truth in it. There's so much life in it. I want you to see the Bible as your story. The Old Testament and the New, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, they combine to tell our combined history. It is God's love story to each one of us. Everything through creation and Abraham and all the prophets onto Jesus and everything Paul wrote and even Revelation, it is all our combined story. There's so much power in it. Maybe you can understand whenever you're going through a tough time, you look back at Psalms and David when he's saying, my enemies are all around me. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But why is that? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So that struggle that you're going through, you can look back at David, and he had such persecution. He had such enemies. He had such struggles in his own life. It helps you remember that people are going through this just like you are. And so this can look a lot of different ways. It's actually 
easier now than it ever has been to get into scripture. What I recommend is the YouVersion Bible app. It has devotions based on anything. If you're hurting, if you're lonely, if you're trying to make a big decision in your life, there's a devotion specifically for that. I'm going through one now that's called Divine Direction. So it's like, how do I make decisions in this life? And I have it set to where I get a notification every morning, so I simply have to click it. And it's that simple. Maybe for you, it's signing up for an email subscription. Or maybe it's putting the Bible on your pillow whenever you're making the bed, you just sit on your pillow, so you, you gotta pick it up whenever you're going to bed. So you might read through a verse or two or read through a chapter. And then finally, regular prayer routines. And this is the one that I want to encourage most because I think it can have the deepest impact on our inner life. And I'm not saying prayer just as a cosmic slot machine saying, God, I want this. Oh, yay, I got it. I passed my test. Oh, yay, I got my job. Yay. It's something more than that. It is deeper than that. It is communing with your creator, your redeemer, and your sustainer. That's what prayer is. If we can get to that level, it can have such impact in our lives. Because if we start being honest and authentic, just like we were in our community, if we can be authentic with God, he can start doing some things in your inner life. He can do some things that we can't do on our own. There can be real internal change if we are disciplined on our prayer. And so for you, it might be just something like whenever I wake up saying, God, today, less of me, more of you. God, today, less of me, more of you. In my life, in my thoughts, my actions, whenever I'm with coworkers, whenever I'm with my family, Lord, less of me, more of you. Or it could be just praying before dinner. I know that's a routine that a lot of people have, and it's wonderful just to thank God for all the blessings, everything that he has done in our life. Or maybe, maybe it's actually getting down on your knees. Being disciplined and being humbled before God and saying that I kneel, if I kneel before God, I can stand before anyone. Maybe that's what it's going to look like in your life. So I want us to imagine, what would this look like if we got this right? What would this look like if in five years, we were aligned with God's vision for our future, we had worked on our inner life, and we had picked up a wonderful Christian community that had supported us? That whenever we got to, you know, the house, wherever everybody gathers, that, you know, you're kind of looking down, and somebody says, hey man, what's up? How are you doing? because that's when it really can, can start changing your life. You can celebrate with others. Man, I'm getting married, it's, it's amazing. Can you celebrate with me? Man, I'm having a kid, it's, it's awesome. I got a new job, let's celebrate together. Because that's when you can really be changed. If you understand someone else's vision for their life, you can help them, direct them towards that. Imagine with me if, if you had this deep knowledge of scripture you could fall back on it whenever you needed it. You just, oh. When David was struggling, I know I'm struggling, but there's such truth in the Psalms. There's anguish, but there's also celebration. I can go back to that, and in this emotion, I can be changed. Or maybe you have a really deep spiritual prayer life that you are totally connected to God, that in every moment, it's almost like you're a walking prayer. 
that you are changed from the inside out through God's change in your life that you couldn't do on your own. So that's my prayer for us, us this morning, that we would be changed from the inside out, following God's vision for our future, that we would be disciplined to do what we should over what we want to do now. Would you pray with me? Holy and precious Father, we come before you today so excited for those first steps. The ability to, to invest in these spiritual practices, what we can do through community, what you can do through daily scripture reading. Lord, what you can do in our lives through, through prayer, through earnestly and honestly connecting with you, God. We are so excited for what we can do, Lord. Lord, I'm so excited for these next steps that we can take together, Lord that we can just see you throughout our life. We can be a beacon of hope for others. And it's in your most holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.